Well, today we are talking about evangelism, and I, I want to start with a, a story from Lee Strobel, and this is from his book, The Unexpected Adventure. And we're, so we're talking today about personal advantage, uh, evangelism. That's you and me sharing the good news about Jesus with other people. And this is a mission that God has given to all Christians. You know, somebody shared the good news about Jesus with you. It might have been a family member, uh, it could have been a classmate, a Sunday school teacher, uh, but somebody took the time and the effort and the risk to tell you about God's love for you in Jesus and what Jesus did for us on the cross. And you responded to that good news with faith. And then your, your life changed. Your eternal destiny changed. And God, in His great wisdom, sometimes a mystery to me, uh, has chosen to get out this incredible news through people, flawed people, imperfect people. And yet God has said, how are they supposed to hear unless somebody tells them? And, and that, you know, that's Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, and that is a challenge to you and a challenge to me. How, how is your family going to hear? How are your friends going to hear? How are your neighbors going to hear? How are your coworkers going to hear? Your classmates going to hear? How, how are people on the other side of the, of the world going to hear unless somebody tells them, and maybe that somebody is you? And we, you know, at a minimum, if we sit on our hands and don't engage in personal evangelism, at a minimum, we miss out on the opportunity to be involved in the most significant, purposeful mission in the world. Now, so here's Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel said he was um, a relatively new Christian, and he, at this time in his life, he was the editor of a newspaper. And he had a lot of stressful days, and very often he would uh, just blow his top. He would get angry, he would give in to the stress of the day, and, um, and, and that was bothering him as a new Christian. And so on one particular day, he really started praying early in the day because he felt the stress is building, and he's like, God, would you help me not blow my top, help me not uh, just give in to the, the stress of the day, but help me to be, live at peace even, even in this hard day. And God helped him. It, it worked. So much so that his supervisor commented at the end of the day. And uh, here's, here's what he said. He said, how, how, Strobel, have you not blown your stack with such a stressful day? And then he paused and he said, it, you know, and, and by the way, what's this whole Christianity thing to you? So the, the supervisor had sort of uh, put two and two together and figured maybe it had something to do with him being this new Christian. And so Lee Strobel said, this is the first time anybody had ever asked me to share my faith. This is the first time I'd ever been put kind of uh, in a position where I, I had an opportunity to share the gospel. And he said, I almost blew it off. I almost just made a joke and moved on. But instead, I said, well, do you really, do you really want to know? And, he, and his boss said, yeah. And so they went into the, the supervisor's office, and he said, for 45 minutes, I shared with him the good news about Jesus. Quote, I'm not sure how God used that conversation in my boss's life, but I do know this. He undeniably used it in mine. When I emerged from that office, I was thoroughly invigorated. I felt like the air was carbonated. There are no words to adequately describe the thrill I felt 
and having been used by God to communicate his message of hope to someone far away from him. He said, I felt like my whole life had been in black and white. And then all of a sudden, during that conversation, it was like I was living in technical color. I wanted more of that action. At that moment, I knew I could never go back to my humdrum Christian experience, drifting aimlessly through my spiritual life. For the first time, I understood that these unscripted adventures on the high seas of personal evangelism are what give excitement, fulfillment, and ultimate purpose to a life of faith. After all, what's more important than being a messenger for the creator of the universe to someone whose eternity is hanging in the balance? I had stumbled upon the unexpected adventure of talking with others about Jesus, and I quickly learned that living on this evangelistic edge amplifies every detail of the Christian life. So here's the big idea for today. Uh, if you will share your faith in Jesus with other people, it will energize your spiritual life. Or as he says, it will amplify every detail of your Christian life. And then he, he goes on and he says, look, when you are actively engaged in personal evangelism, when you're telling other people about Jesus on a regular basis, the, your Bible studies will become much more attent, intense because you're looking for answers and things to share. He said, your prayer life will become much more focused because you'll be praying that God empowers your witness, that people you've already shared with, that that seed would uh, go deep and, and bring forth real fruit. Your worship will become more heartfelt because you will have, have witnessed God working in real people's lives. You'll been seeing transformation happen. Your dependence upon God reaches new heights. He concludes, this is the missing ingredient in so many Christian lives. Is it a missing ingredient in your life? I have never heard anyone complain saying, my spiritual life is so dry. It's like I'm living in a desert and I'm actively engaged in sharing my faith. He said, the two don't go together. I have repeatedly found that it is the Christians living out the unexpected adventure who are enjoying the most fulfillment, fulfilling relationships with God. I believe that. I think, I think Lee Strobel is 100% correct. Uh, that there is nothing that is more invigorating to your faith. There is nothing that will energize you more as a Christian than to be out there telling others the good news about Jesus. And yet, it, we, I don't think we doubt that. <laughs> and I don't think, I think it's the rare Christian who actually wonders whether or not that is part of God's calling on their life. Uh, I think it's, it's just fear that keeps all of us back. It's fear. Pastor James told me uh, an interesting story this week. He said that uh, one of his very best friends, not a Christian, they've been friends for many years, and he said, over the years, I have uh, shared the gospel with my friend multiple times, right? And for James, it was a big deal. You know, he's trying to, trying to read the situation. What's the right time? How do I say it in the right way? And, you know, Pastor James knows his stuff, right? He's taken classes on evangelism. He's taught ev personal evangelism in Bible college. I mean, if anybody is going to be successful, he is. And uh, he said, I actually got an email from my friend one day. And in the email, my friend said, would you please stop telling me about Jesus? Please stop 
trying to convert me. Um, I feel like it puts a barrier between us in our relationship, uh, and, and it makes me uncomfortable. Please cease and desist. You know, I want to be your friend, but I don't want to hear that anymore. And so Pastor James said, you know what, okay, I need to honor, I'm going to have to honor his request. But that's awkward. And we know that when we uh, start to tell people who are right now not Christians the gospel, which includes, hey, you're a sinner, and the wrath of God rests upon you because of your sin, and you need to get saved. In other words, you're not okay right now where you are and as you are. Things need to change in your life. I have something you don't have, and I want you to have it. I mean, there is an offense to that, right? The Bible talks about that. The the gospel is offensive at some levels, even though it's good news. And so, look, fear of rejection is a massive fear. We all have it. We all have it. So, um, Ryan Maxwell and Garrett Underwood, two of uh, the young guys in our church, are um, geeked out. Can I say that? They're geeked out on personal evangelism right now, which is awesome. Praise the Lord. It's amazing what he's doing in their lives. And uh, Ryan came back from a year in Pakistan, and he's like, I have, you know, I have got to... He just felt like the Lord was laying on his heart, how do I inspire my peers to be excited about personal evangelism. And uh, so now he's got Garrett Underwood all excited. Last week they were in Texas. uh, I think it was last week. Last week they were in Texas at a personal evangelism conference. He said there were 500 young adults, and uh, all they were doing is kind of getting prepared and excited about going out to reach uh, the world for Christ. So Garrett has, you you might be on his uh, invitation list. He's been texting Everyone is. Oh, did you hack the database? Well, anyways, he's, he's inviting people to go with him uh, out do, to do evangelism. And that's Wednesday night at 6.30. And then to, you're actually going today after church. You are going today right after church. And that's with Ryan Maxwell. Nope, Hayden. Hayden Maxwell. Okay. So last week, Mike, come with me to the Diamond Mall and uh, this is Wednesday, last Wednesday. Come with me to Diamond Mall. We need to do personal evangelism. And of course, knowing I'm preaching on it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I probably should do that. So I have a story to tell, right? So <laughs> there we go. And we went to uh, the Diamond Mall. And actually, it was, I came home and I was invigorated. In fact, I called, on my way home, I called uh, Pastor Josh Seeley. And then I called my son-in-law, Kevin Glenn, because I wanted to share, hey, this, this was exciting. This was fun. I had a couple of gospel conversations uh, that were significant. So, listen, fear, and then apathy. I think apathy also plays a role. Why? Um, Because, I tell you, it is so easy to forget or not really believe deep down that apart from Jesus Christ, our friends and family are going to hell, that there is only one way to be saved. And so, okay, how how do you push through fear? I think the only real way to push through fear is love. Perfect love casts out all fear, the Bible says. Love for God, love for other people. Because, you know, and what did Jesus do? Jesus modeled, out of his love, he modeled, take, he, he modeled going to the cross. And he said to all of us, pick up your cross and follow me. And so, fear is real. And, and, and for us to be involved in personal evangelism, we have to break through the fear, and, and it requires love. 
It, it says, I am, going to, I am going to take risks. I'm going to sacrifice on your behalf. I'm going to risk the backlash. And I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Oh, here's another story I found was very interesting. Uh, this is a guy named William Fay. And William Fay, this is his book called Share Jesus Without Fear. Uh, and so he said, before I became a Christian, I was the president and CEO of a, a multi-million dollar international company. He said, I ran one of the largest houses of prostitution in the United States. I was involved in gambling and in bookmaking and racketeering. And I mocked anyone who dared share his faith in God with me. He then was playing racquetball. Uh, he needed a racquetball par partner one day, and he just saw this guy playing, and he started playing with him, and it was a Christian guy. And uh, that Christian guy would periodically invite him to church and, and try to share Jesus with him, and he said, I was always very rude, shut him down, mocked him. Uh, but then eventually the feds caught on to him, and now he's in trouble with the law. And he said, at that time, I got a lot of, con a lot of calls from people who wanted to make sure that I was you know, that their names were not going to somehow come out. Everybody was interested in protecting themselves. He said, I never got a single call from anybody caring about me except that Christian uh, who I met playing racquetball. He called me and he said, how are you doing? Are you okay? How can I help you? Um, he said, I was so blown away by that. It, it, it shined so, uh, in such contrast to everything else. That I, this time, when he said, you want to come to church with me? I said, you know what, all right. And then I went to their house afterwards, and, and he said it was his wife shared her testimony, and they invited me to become a Christian. And I said, nah, that's not for me. No, thank you. He said, as far as they know, he went on and uh, th th that they didn't have any effect in his life. He writes this. Through the years, many people came into my life to share their faith, but I would not receive it. I sent those people away discouraged because I either insulted them, antagonized them, or persecuted them. And if they walked away from me believing they had failed, they believed a lie. For I never forgot the name, the face, the person, or the words of anyone who ever told me about Jesus. Isn't that fascinating? He's insulting them, he's mocking them, he's rejecting them, and yet there's something within that, him that says, this is significant. Probably he recognized they actually are caring about me in this. They're trying to help me. And eventually he came to Christ and then he himself became an evangelist. So one of the things we got to remember is that um, God never wastes uh, an evangelistic um, opportunity or we waste them. God, when we take... Uh, when we are faithful and we share the gospel, God never wastes that. A seed is planted in people's hearts and minds. And, and what is failure? <laughs> uh, here's what we, we fear, like, I won't have the answer to the question. I'm not going to say, I won't use the right words, I won't say it, do it right. Uh, they're going to say no. And uh, what if I blow it and then I actually make them less interested in what is failure? I think failure is sitting on our hands. That's, that's the only thing that's failure. Sitting on our hands, staying on the sidelines. That's failure. Is God going to say, hey, I wish you hadn't have done that? 
when you took a risk and in your own, you know, halting, broken, uh, weak way said, hey, God loves you and Jesus died for you. And you know what? Uh, putting my faith in Jesus made a huge difference for me and I, and I, th- I recommend him to you. And they say, ah, I'm not interested in that. Is that failure? I don't think spiritually it's failure. I think God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Way to take a risk. And of course, we get better at it, just like anything we do. You try, you learn, you adjust, you get better at it. So we have to, uh, we have to, it's basically, it's love, really, that helps us get through the fear. Um, One of the things, I think, is to remind ourselves of how important it is to know Jesus. So we have to remind ourselves of verses like John 3.18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. What a truth. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What that means is that the starting point of all people is condemnation. And they need to get out of that through faith in Jesus. John 3, 6, uh, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Wow. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. All people are sinners, and the wrath of God rests upon us because we're sinners. But that wrath can be taken away and put on another, namely Jesus. And then we can experience forgiveness and eternal life. John 14, 16, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, you know, we got to remember that faith in Jesus is not, is not one of many options people have. It's the only. He is the only option. If you want to get reconciled with God, Acts 4.12, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that can help uh, break our apathy, right? When we remember, uh, if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have life. Well, I'm going to ask my strong men to go ahead and bring up my board here. For most of the rest of the message, I want, I want to give you some tools for sharing the gospel. I want to draw pictures. I want to draw some pictures. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, we're told, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. In other words, uh, when the opportunity comes... To share the gospel, you want to be ready. So I want to give you some tools. Uh, because, uh, listen, you, have you heard that little uh, saying, um, preach the gospel always and if necessary use words? It sounds so lovely. But the fact of the matter is the gospel is news. It's a message. And you're not, you've ne- you have not shared the gospel if you haven't spoken words that say, you know, the basics, which... I put it in your bulletin. By the way, you need a bulletin today because the bulletin has uh, YouTube links for all the little pictures I'm going to draw. But here's the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God sent His Son Jesus to bear His wrath against people's sin through His substitutionary death on the cross 
and to show his power over sin and death in the resurrection from the grave. All who turn from their sins and themselves trust in Jesus alone as Savior and Lord will be reconciled to God forever. That's the gospel. Okay, now, for those of you who like pictures, such as I, I like pictures, and, and so here are a couple of tools. I'm going to give you four tools. You don't have to memorize all these. I'm just... These are some tools you might want to use. One of them is probably going to grab you, and you're like, oh, I could do that one. And then when you're in the situation, uh, you'll be able to, to use this. So Wednesday night, I used this one. This has been my, my favorite. Somebody sh- told me this when I was a kid. But number two, the one I'm going to show you next, I'm, I'm super enamored with right now. Okay, so this one, you just need to know one Bible verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And, you, and I would recommend you write it on the top of your napkin or your piece of paper. And uh, this is called the bridge illustration. And you start by saying, hey, the Bible says that uh, humans are separated from God. So now you b- draw a you know, chasm and you say, you know, there's God is over here and uh, people are here. And, uh, and the reason we're separated from God is because of our sin. So this, this is where I was before I put my faith in Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, this is where you are. That's what the Bible says. Now, so here's the verse. The wages of sin is death. So wages. Uh, what's a wage? Something you earn. Yeah. The wages of sin so you've got, you know, wages, sin is death. So that's all over here. Wages, sin, death. So, the, you know, the Bible says that everybody has sinned. Do you know what a sin is? Sin is just doing something that God disapproves of, right? And uh, have, you, have you ever done that? Have you ever done anything you knew was wrong? You're like, that's not, I shouldn't do that, and you do it anyways. Yeah. Everybody's sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. Well, the, the wages of that, the, you know, what we've earned by our sin is death. And it, that's a physical death. We all die. And it's also a spiritual death, which is separation from God. But, this is a huge important word, but. But, the gift, so on one hand you've got wages, but over here you've got a gift. Is, is, a, is a gift something you earn? No. no this, a gift is something you're given. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It just comes, it comes from the goodness of that person. And it's a gift of God. And what is the gift? Here's the gift. It's eternal life. So, on one hand, it's like, hey, the Bible says, you and I are sinners, and we have earned death. That's us. But God has given us eternal life. This is a gift He offers, eternal life, which, which really means you can live forever. All right, now how, how do we get from here to here? Well, the, the verse tells us. Here's another Super, super, super important word. It's through 
Jesus Christ. And so here's a, God has provided us a bridge. And it's Jesus. And so we can walk, you know, we can, we can go from being separated from God with death being, you know, what we're going to get. We can get over here to eternal life if we put our faith in God's Son, Jesus. So Jesus is the bridge. And so how, how do you go from here to here? You know, is it be a good person? Is it uh, say some magical words? Well, I think it's, it's all right here. It's Je- making Jesus Christ your Lord. So that's what you're doing here, is you're making Jesus Lord. And you're saying, I don't want to be separated from you, God. I don't want to live my life on my own like I have always done it. I, I, put, I receive Jesus as my Lord. I'm going to make Him the leader of my life. And as I follow Jesus, you will move me from death to life. So, so that's the, you know, that's the gospel. That's the good news. But the question is, where are you? So, by the way, when you give a gospel presentation, you always got to bring it down to a, an invitation. Yep, now I'm going to get black all over. Don't look at me. Okay. Um, you, you've always got to bring it down to an invitation. So you'd say, where are you? And, and they might say, yeah, I'm, I'm over here. Is there any reason? There's any reason, you know, do you want to get over here? Yeah, I'd like to be there. Is, there. is there any reason you're not willing to make Jesus Lord right now? And engage with him and start talking. But this, this can be a great starting place, okay? That's the bridge illustration in your bulletin. I've got a link for somebody much better than I doing that. Okay, now off comes... All right, now we are at, ignore that. Now we are at uh, what is called the three circles gospel presentation. Uh, So I used the bridge illustration Wednesday night, and it didn't really go over that great. Three circles, of course, maybe it had more to do with the person I'm sharing with's heart than than the illustration, but so now I used the three circles illustration. This one worked really well. And so you start by drawing a circle. And you, uh, you, and you do a line like this, and you say, we live in a broken world, right? Parents, not all, but some parents abusing their children, famine, war, uh, some people who have way more than they need, and they hoard it, and in people in poverty, and, and you've got drugs and alcohol. We live in a broken world. I don't think anybody can test that. And we all want to escape our broken world, and, and so we try things. And it might be that you say, I'm going to cocoon myself from this broken world through, you know, physical exercise and money. I'm going to just keep my body healthy, and I'm going to be so wealthy that, uh, that nothing could get to me. 
But the fact is, that's just like a big bungee cord. Eventually, it'll snap you back into the brokenness. It, it really can't protect us. Uh, so maybe you say, well, I'm going to just, um, I'm going to it, go pleasure. It's, you know, I've got a life, the life I've got, I'm just going to maximize pleasure, do whatever I want to do. And uh, it could be drugs and alcohol, sex, whatever it is. And you just say, I'm going to uh, kind of, not think about the brokenness, and I'm going to enjoy myself as long as I can. But eventually, that'll snap you back. Uh, it, and it might be that you say, I'm going to be a super good person. And uh, through my own morality, I'm going to rise above the brokenness. Uh, it could be relationships. You know, I'm just going to, whatever. There are many ways that we try to escape the brokenness of our world. But, but they do, they're not permanent. They're not foolproof. Eventually, we get sucked. At a minimum, we all die. Well, you know, that's the world was not always broken. God designed a perfect and beautiful world. In fact, when God made the world, He said, it is good. And when He made people created in His image, He said, it's very good. And, and so, the, by the way, this is the second circle, Right? This is, this is the world that God designed. But unfortunately, we have all abandoned, sorry, we've all abandoned God's design through our sin. Adam and Eve did it first, but every person since then. Uh, and so what is sin? We've, we have, uh, we've disobeyed God. We've done our, lived our own, our own lives on our own terms. I don't really care about God or what He wants. I'm just doing it my own way. And that leads to brokenness. And this is where we all are. But here's the good news. The good news is, now you're into your third circle. The good news is that God didn't just leave us in our brokenness. He mounted a rescue mission from heaven. And He sent His Son, Jesus, to the earth. And then Jesus went and died on the cross to take the punishment for our sin on himself. And then three days later, he rose from the grave and he conquered sin and death. And, and, and what the Bible says is that we can all share in Christ's victory if we will put our faith in him. We surrender our lives to Jesus. And then we move from brokenness, we become, you know, united with Jesus by faith, and then we can get back to His design. So we can move back to, back to the way God designed it. Now, this happens, even now, it happens uh, spiritually, where our sins are forgiven, and we're reconciled to God and the Holy Spirit indwells us and we have the wonderful teachings of Jesus to model our lives upon. But ultimately, it's when Jesus returns that we're going to get, get to live in a new heaven and a new earth without any of the brokenness. And that will be our eternal life forever and ever. I forgot a piece. You're supposed to say, if we make Jesus Lord, that's a crown. Um, so then... Uh, so can I ask you, where are you right now? Which, which one of these circles would you say you're in? So uh, Garrett and I were talking to a, a guy right out of, a young man right out of high school, used this 
three circles, and he said, I'm here in the brokenness. And I, I, I asked him, so how, does that broke, how is that brokenness being experienced in your life? You know, how is it manifested? And he said, uh, I feel alone. I, you know, I don't have God in my life. I'm trying to handle life all by myself, and it's overwhelming. And so that meant that we talked more about, do you want, do you want to have a relationship with God? And it was interesting. He, he's, he, didn't, he didn't anticipate that that was even possible. He said, you know, there are seven, he said, I don't even know how many, but he, he said, there are like seven billion people in the world. You know, trying to manage all those people would be overwhelming. And so Garrett and I were able to share with him, you know, the Bible actually says God knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows, calls you by name. He, he knows who you are, and he wants a personal relationship with you. And that seemed to be pretty uh, revelatory to this guy. So, and then ultimately, you know, where are you? Where do you want to be? And is there any reason... Is there any reason right now you wouldn't want to, you know, put your faith in Jesus, become a follower of Christ? And you press for decision. Okay? That's the three circles. You guys see this over here, by the way? Okay, good. Um, now I'm going to, those are the two big ones. Now I'm going to do something called the morality ladder. And this is when you're dealing with somebody who um, is trying to argue with you that they're, I'm a good enough person, right? You know, uh, God, compared to everybody else in the world, I'm perfectly fine. And I'm in the upper percentage. And God's going to grade on the curve, all that kind of stuff, right? I'm going to just, I'm okay. I'm, I'm living a good enough life. Well, so you draw a ladder, and you say, okay, here's the morality ladder, and at the very top of the morality ladder is God, you know, because God's the standard of perfection. Uh, and then, you know, who's at the bottom of the ladder? Who's the worst person you can think of? Yell, me, yell it out. Not your neighbor. Not yours. Yeah. Who's the worst person you can think of? Hitler, that's one, okay. Yeah, Hitler, Dahmer, you know, some, some bad serial killer. Okay, now, who's the best person you can think of? Uh, who's that? Other than Jesus, you're totally right. But Jesus is God, so we already got him. Mother Teresa, okay, there we go. And so, all right, Mother Teresa, you know, she's way up there, but even Mother Teresa herself will say, you know, I've got personal failings. I'm not here. There's a big gap. But, okay, Mother Teresa was amazing, right? Gave up her life, went to the uh, slums of Calcutta and served people. You know, and so maybe you give another couple people like, you know, how about you know, Gandhi? And so you give, I don't know. And then you say, um, all right, you're the presenter, and you say, you know, I'd put myself... You know, I'm certainly below Mother Teresa. My, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm here. And then you ask them, where are you? Probably they'll, probably they'll put themselves somewhere even lower, unless they're deluded. And, but you're like, okay, there's a gap. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a gap between, you know, where you are and where God is. And God, God is holy, and he demands, you know, he's, he's not going to, dwell with 
uh, unholiness, right? He's not going to dwell with somebody who is not um, perfect. So how, how do you plan to make up for the, the gap? Right? What, what's your plan for making up the gap? Are you going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Are you going to just you know, cross your fingers and hope that God grades on the curve? And what are you doing? What are you going to do? And so here's the, the one verse I would recommend that you memorize here is 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made, he, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might have the righteousness of God. So this is, this is the story of Jesus. God put the gap, right? He, he put the, the gap on Jesus. And he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, because Jesus was perfect, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Jesus took upon himself our sins, the penalty for our sins, the punishment for our sin on himself. He dealt with it so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that that, that gap is gone. And in, and in fact, the Bible says that the righteous life of Christ becomes credited to our account, our sins are paid for, and that's why we can become reconciled with God. Spiritually, God justifies us, makes us, makes us right in his eyes. Okay, so there's the morality uh, the morality ladder. And the final picture is the easiest. Uh, and uh, this is another way of dealing with um, people who... Well, it's really a, a way of drawing a contrast between all religions and faith in Christ. And you'll say, you know, every religion that I know of, uh, the, the way they spell how to get to heaven is D-O, right? Whether it's the five-fold pillars of Islam or, or the uh, eight noble paths of the Buddha, um, some list of Here's what you do if you want to get right with God. And so all religions mark out some path spelled D-O. But Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. That Jesus Christ does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So you have the Apostle Paul who says... Before I became a Christian, I was more zealous than anybody I know to be right and righteous and to get to heaven in my own goodness. But now I have realized that all my good works are like filthy rags. I am trusting in what Jesus did to save me, not in what I did to save me. And so, you know, the, the, the whole path of do, you know is going to fail you. you. You need to put your faith in Jesus who has done for us what we can't do ourselves. All right, strong guys, you want to take that away for me? Thank you. 
So these are some tools that, um, by the way, you, you can go out online and, and uh, study them. I recommend that you have one that you can use so that when, that you can seize the opportunity. So uh, what is the best evangelistic tool? The one you use, that's exactly right. The best evangelistic tool is the one you use. And let's, let's be a people who take risks. Uh, we are sitting on the best news uh, that the world has ever heard and absolutely needs. And I'm going to read. I wasn't intending to, but I'm going to read this. This is Acts uh, 10. 10, 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 14, or verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a promise. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, no matter what they've done, how long they've run from God. If you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And preaching doesn't mean what I'm doing. Of course, that is preaching. But here it just means somebody telling them, right? And you can tell, tell your friend over the phone. You can tell them uh, having a coffee together at a coffee shop, walking uh, the trail, taking a breather on your ski session, hike, climbing a mountain, right? You just tell them, uh, tell them the good news about Jesus. It will energize your Christian life, and it might very well uh, change their eternal destiny. Let's pray. Maybe the Lord is putting on your mind and heart someone that you know you are in the best position uh, to share with. Maybe you, maybe your next step is you need to tell Garrett or Ryan, I'm going to go with you one of these weeks. Ah, actually, make a decision. Tell them I'm going to go with you on this day. And go and try. Tell the Lord what you are willing to do to step toward this right now. Make a commitment. Lord, we are amazed that you have entrusted to us such a critical role in this most important mission. Help us to be faithful, to step into it. Spirit of God, help us. And ultimately, Lord, we know that it is you who draws people to yourself. But we want a piece of the action, as Lee Strobel says. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.